What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. This is the celebratory Nuggets defeat the Minnesota Timberwolves 112-109 in Game 5 of their first-round series and uh, move on to face the Phoenix Suns in the second round of the playoffs. I will get into my initial preview of the Suns series in the second half first half we're going to kind of recap what it was amounted to a very strange and i will say a very strange last two games um the nuggets played uh, the one one of which they lost in overtime uh game four a game they should have won if Jokic made a free throw um and you kind of had a repeat of that history here uh today uh or excuse me last night and uh but what ended up happening was the denver nuggets uh prevailed in this one and it's very interesting because this was a terribly i'm not going to blame the officials i don't do that but it was a terribly officiated game and uh one of the issues was down the stretch there was two awful consecutive foul calls called um when the nuggets were up by seven um uh with the the timberwolves and we're in danger of pulling away and uh, there was a just it's Scott Foster, but it was a couple of foul calls that were just it's particularly the one on Michael Porter Jr. Uh, where he's just standing there and Carl uh, Anthony Towns runs into him and they called a foul on 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 Porter while he was trying to get a rebound. It was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. I had some uh, friends who were Timberwolves fans who told me the same thing. They're like, oh, my God, that was <laughs> It was a terrible guy for call, and it wasn't even called by the guy who had the great, the best perspective on it. So anyway, um, the Denver Nuggets uh, win 112-109 and move on to face the Phoenix Suns. And uh, the interesting thing about the last game was that Jokic had a terrible game. Um, he's ended up with 28, 17, and 12 um, with two steals and two blocks, but it was it was really um, a terrible shooting game for for Jokic. Um, he just couldn't get anything to drop in the first half after, after scoring, uh, 43, the last game, um, he just couldn't get, and it was one of those poor luck games. I mean, it's like, it was the same thing with Michael Porter Jr. Um, just sometimes the shot's not falling and sometimes it happens in the playoffs. Uh, if Jokic hits at his usual efficiency and if Michael hits like three or four more of those shots that he normally hits, Nuggets are up comfortably um, going into the fourth quarter. It it just was one of those games. There was some good defense. I would say the best defense that was played was by Nikhil Alexander Walker on on uh, Jamal Murray, and Murray ended up with thirty five. So that kind of tells you where the series was, and it tells you where the Nuggets were. Uh, an anomalous, completely anomalous shooting night from Jokic and Porter. And that really, if you're if you're going to boil everything down right now, that is what why the game was closer. That's why the game was close. It was it was almost entirely due to both of those guys not not hitting shots, particularly Jokic. Porter goes through these periods sometimes where he goes completely dry, but um, I'm going to get to him in the last part of the first half of this podcast because uh, he really, once again, was the key to the Nuggets uh, being able to maintain lead and and stuff like that, particularly on defense and rebounding. Uh, He had some great, I mean, he had some lapses like he normally does, but we'll get to that. in the uh in the second half of this first half but the first part i want to talk about Jokic because as good as jamal murray was and he really carried the nuggets through 
the game offensively. Um, there was just a, a, a Jokic just could not make a shot. He was making threes and he could not hit a two point shot. It was it was the weirdest, and that tells you how weird it was. Okay, um, and for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I don't think it was particularly defense. You know, Jokic was getting white, getting some open two point shots that he always makes, and he just wasn't hitting them. Uh, he ends up like nine of thirty or something like that. It was just the worst. I think it was literally the worst shooting uh, day of his career. Somehow ending up with 28, um, 17, and 12 is, is a testament to how good Nikola Jokic is. Um, but usually, but that is how the Nuggets end up being down 15 points to start the game. He just couldn't, he couldn't make a shot. If he made half of those shots, the Nuggets, you know, that game stays even through the first quarter and the Nuggets end up pulling away. Um, everyone gets that. Everyone is owed a, a bad game. Joel Embiid has them. You know, Giannis has had several um, in the playoffs, it, it, it is, it is something that happens even among the best players. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things. And I just can't explain it because he was missing shots. He always makes kind of like Mike. Um, but to be able to close it like he did down the stretch was pretty remarkable. I think that, uh, I was more impressed by Jokic's activity in the fourth quarter than I have been in pretty much any of the games that he has played in the playoffs before. Um, it was closing time and he meant it. And, uh, I think he had that missed free throw on his brain going into that game, which was ironic considering that he could have hit one, the front end of this, uh, free throws that he could have, he could have actually hit and put the nuggets up four, which wouldn't have made the, uh, Anthony Edwards's last heaved shot at the end if it would have gone in which was a good shot by the way um would have tied the game um it wouldn't have mattered so oh there's all these factors and i do think that was bugging Jokic. i think that was on his mind um i think that 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 probably factored into why he kind of took over and to be honest with you there was a there was a moment after he did a putback layup um of a missed shot that he um, just ran down the other side of the court was smiling with his arms out because it was just, it was that kind of night for Jokic, but his activity, particularly in that fourth quarter was just insane. He came in with, I think it was eight minutes left in the fourth and Malone, uh, we'll get to Malone in the beginning of the second half. I've got some, I've got some thoughts about the way he coached this game. Um, but he finally, you know, was able to put it in gear and really carried the nuggets through that fourth quarter, you know, in a tremendous way. And that's why he's the best player in the Nuggets. I mean, it's, it's, he's the best, one of the best players in the league. He was able to do that after having such a terrible night to start. And uh, we, we should all give ups to, to Nikola Jokic for what he was able to accomplish there. Um, MPJ, uh, as I was saying, was missing shots. You know, and Jamal, and once again, credit to Jamal for carrying the Nuggets. And he was getting hounded by NAW. He was absolutely getting ha hounded by him. In some ways, I think they allowed uh, NAW to get away with some contact that uh, he probably shouldn't have. But in, in all in all, he played a great defensive game against him. It was just Jamal was hitting, doing what Jamal does and hits tough shots. 
Sometimes it helps you, sometimes it doesn't. In this game, it did. You know, you need a guy who's able to hit tough shots. Sometimes Jamal will take you out of a game doing that sort of thing, uh, kind of like he did in game four. But in this game, he, he was absolutely crucial because uh, the Nuggets were right behind the eight ball to start the fourth. Um, and the Nuggets quickly reeled the, the, the Wolves back in and then uh, just ended up being ahead by one point going into halftime. But Mike was missing shots, and he was having a game reminiscent to some of the games that he would have a couple of years ago, where he just you couldn't he couldn't hit a shot, and you could tell that it was getting to him. And I think that um, that was troubling to start the first three quarters of the game. You know, he was still rebounding, by the way. I think he had finished with, with ten or eleven rebounds, uh, which which is what they want Mike to do. Um, Mike was still rebounding the ball. Uh, he had a couple in the fourth quarter, a couple defensive lapses, but he also was playing, had some great moments of, of great rotations. There was a, there was a, a shot that I think, uh, oh, who was it? It was, uh, anyway, there was a shot like late in late in the, um, in the fourth quarter, there was a corner three that Mike jetted out to the corner and really bothered the guy enough to where he couldn't take the shot. Um, and he was doing that over and over again and really laying himself out there doing that. So I appreciate Mike doing it. The, the, I do wish that he wouldn't let the lack of shot shooting get to him like it does. Um, because he just, that it was, oh, he was O of seven and he stopped shooting and you really need to keep shooting if you're a shooter. So we get to the fourth quarter and Mike, Mike goes in for a dunk and he dunks it. And it's like, it was like. That was it. So right after that, he hits two threes. One of them was this huge three that puts the Nuggets up, um, uh, up three points or five points or something like that. And Jokic even was like, yeah, 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 and grabbing him, and Mike wasn't paying attention. But um, it was it was good to see because Mike Mike likes those moments and he likes the big moments, and I think he did a good job with uh, kind of powering through these things because you know. Towns was having a better game. Anthony Edwards was still having a good game. And um, those are the two guys, well, mostly Anthony Edwards. But, um, you know, to a smaller extent, Carl Anthony Towns. If I'm a Wolves fan, I, I this is just my outside view, and I, I doubt any Wolves fans are listening to this, but honestly, Gobert was not your problem. It's Carl Anthony Towns and his and his fouls where you just like scratch your head and like wonder if he knows where how to play if he was just introduced to the game of basketball um that is anyway that's my thoughts on carl anthony towns but mike powered through and the rebounding got him through and then he got to the fourth quarter and scored eight and honestly once again like game two the nuggets don't win this game without without mpj um really doing going all out like he did it, it was great it was fan fantastic to see him break through like that score eight and a fourth and really contribute along with Jokic to the Nuggets really being able to uh, power through and win this game. Uh, I need to address my head coach, Michael Malone. He uh, becomes the winningest playoff coach in Nuggets history. Congratulations to him. Um, this wasn't his best coached game. There was some panic moves in the first half that were inexplicable. There was a lineup that he had on the floor um, to, uh, like at the end of the first quarter into the second quarter that had no point guard. It was, it was just all defensive players. It was, it was, I, I, 
It was one of the most head-scratching lineups I've ever seen. The Nuggets were somehow able to tread water while that lineup was out there for two minutes, but it was a total panic move, and it really troubled me. Troubled me more than anything else in that game. More than Jokic's shooting, more than Michael Porter Jr.'s shots not going in. Malone putting that lineup out there was a real panic move, and I'm glad that someone got to him eventually and said, you can't have a lineup out here without without a point guard. You just can't do it. You know, I mean, if you're going to do something like that, play Reggie Jackson. Seriously, just play Reggie Jackson. You you got him on the bench. Play him, uh, and he is better than having absolutely no point guard out there. That was just that was just insane. I've never seen anything like that in a playoff game. To his credit, he identified that it was a fuck up, and he and he didn't have the lineup out there that much. But that is something to watch going forward in these playoffs. And I'm hoping that Malone will um, not have more panic moves like that. You know, it's not an adjustment. Um, Adjustment is something that is considered and thought out and tried. Sometimes you just try shit, but uh, especially in the playoffs, and you see if it works, um, because these playoffs are all about matchups. But that was just a total panic thing. And I, I, I get the feeling he wasn't even aware there wasn't a point guard out there. It was just, it was weird. Um, but to his credit, he identified it and didn't do that the rest of the day. In fact, I'm going to compliment, for those of you who think I'm a Malone hater, um, uh, there is, there is one thing I really do need to compliment on him on in the second half. They did two things and I'm going to ask about this, uh, in the, I'm going to talk about this more in depth in the second half of the podcast, but I kind of want to address it now. Um, the nuggets finally started staggering with a shorter shifts for Mike Jamal and uh, not not Jokic, he's on the same one. But Mike and Jamal were going through shorter stints and, and interspersing themselves. It's something that he has never done, and he was doing it in this game. I think that is a great, great identification of something that Nuggets have needed to do, and it's something to look forward to going into these next this next round. Um, and part two is the Nuggets finally started blitzing Anthony Edwards on the pick and roll. Um, what was happening is that they were playing drop, and, and Jokic is just not great in drop. And uh, they kept playing drop, 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 drop. It was because of the two bigs. And what happened was uh, just yeah, Anthony Edwards was hissed hitting these either layups or mid-range 12 to 14 foot shots. And it was just it was just killing the nuggets. And finally, in the second half, and particularly in the fourth quarter, they start blitzing that pick and roll. And it completely neutralized Anthony Edwards. And it was just this very simple adjustment. And what was bugging me is that there was an identification that the, there was no one else in the Wolves that was actually going to start killing them. It was just very specifically Anthony Edwards. And finally, they started doing that, and it completely threw off the, the, the Wolves' offense. They weren't expecting it. So that's something to watch also going forward. If that Nuggets can start making that adjustment and start blitzing that pick and roll a little more, it'll help the Nuggets going forward. Or in the second half of the, play, uh, of the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about the the preview of uh, the Sun series and um, see how it goes. And I've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts that I introduced on Twitter yesterday, and I'm going to expound on here. But first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee. In beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwcolorado.com. they got a... 
location in Fort Collins. They got a location in Denver. Um, they also got a location in Sonoma County, California. If you're out there in Sonoma County, look them up. They got whites, they got reds, they got Rieslings. The Rieslings are the product of the Western Slope. It's really good from what I understand. It's too sweet for me, but uh, it's really a good grape that grows out in the Western Colorado. And it's probably the best of what they can grow out there. Um, but there's all the, all sorts of varietals that they have their own wines. The Pinot is fantastic. The Cabernet is fantastic. Um, and, and so is the Merlot. I'm not a big Merlot fan, but it, it's it's really good there. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwcolorado.com. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. The Denver Nuggets face the Phoenix Suns for uh, the first time fully with a fully intact lineup since December. Um, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be very, very, very interesting. Sorry, I had to take a drink of coffee there. Um, this Nuggets team, the last two matchups with the Suns, both in Phoenix, did not play their entire starting lineup. So, and those, and the Nuggets, and the Phoenix Suns really struggled with them during that time. There's something, there's really something to observe and watch here with the Nuggets and the Suns. What we saw with the Suns is that they they really had to play Booker and they had to play uh, Durant over 40 minutes every single night against the Clippers. A Clippers team that, as of Game 2, was not did not uh, feature either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. And this, they were really struggling with the Clippers in all three of the games that both were missing. It reminded me a lot of those Nuggets games that they, they that there's that they played against the games they played against the Nuggets in uh, late in the season, where the Nuggets didn't have any other starters out there. And uh, there is something to be said for things being quote unquote easier. Aiton is a good matchup for Jokic. Um, for on both ends, I think Aiton really kind of like you know they're able to not double Jokic um but it is not the same one of the things that that was obviously getting to Jokic in elements of this of the last series was the the too big thing and it was kind of like what the Utah Jazz did when they had Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert it was this we can just give you big after big after big it was we're we're going to rough you up and one of the Nuggets' strategies in the this uh, this game, particular, excuse me, in the series, this last series, was Jokic. It was by design that Jokic was not posting up, and it's because Jokic being in the post, because they had two bigs, would just completely clog up the spacing. And the idea is, if Jokic is is on the outside. It's still you still have the window for drives for Jamal Murray and stuff like that. It, in in that was the theory. In practice, it wasn't as as noticeable. But I that's the theory. Um, you're not going to be having to do that in this series. Jokic can go back to his comfort zone, which is the post, and I think and creating from the post, like doing the dribble handoffs and creating from the post and the it's the pinch post. Let's just put it to you that way, folks. The Nuggets 
do offer op, operate in a significant amount of the triangle. So it's the pinch post. But this Nuggets team is is going to have an easier time with that specific element. The Phoenix Suns are a much better team than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay, um, but that particular element is more in the Nuggets' favor, even though Aiton did a good job against uh, Jokic in 2021. Now, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of that was influenced by uh, Jamal Murray not being there and in 2021. Jamal being there really introduces an element that the, even with Durant, that the Phoenix Suns haven't really had to contend with uh, in a pressure pack situation like this. And I do like that particular matchup more than anything. I am relatively certain the Suns will park uh, Tory Craig on either Jamal or um, MPJ. I think they'll probably, you'll probably handle both. Um, there ain't no way they're going to, to do Durant on uh, Jamal. It'll be, it'll be Tory as the Swiss army knife and they will probably have, I don't know, Aaron Gordon with, uh, with, uh, Kevin Durant and put, uh, MPJ on, 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 uh, Tory Craig. Um, these are the way, this is probably the way these are going to go. I'm not entirely sure. You know, I, th I think KCP on, uh, Chris Paul is a good, good matchup for the Nuggets. Matchup wise, this is quote unquote easier. And I don't mean that as in the Nuggets should win. It's not as physically demanding because of the lack of the too big thing. Um, it, it, it's just not as physically demanding of the Denver Nuggets to face something like this. And I think, and I think it'll be a different kind of climate for this. I think Jokic will be unlocked a bit because the last time they played the, the Suns in the playoffs, you know, it was Faku Campasso, um, Austin Rivers, you know, it's just, uh, it, 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 well, the nuggets of the lot the previous two seasons were, um, struggling and Michael Porter Jr. had got injured that series and we didn't know about that and it really affected him. But at that time they also had, uh, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and these put when then, you know, they gave up their depth in order to get Kevin Durant and um that depth is going to be tested for by the Suns. Now on the flip side, um I don't think the Nuggets have anyone who was going to be a Durant stopper or a Booker stopper. I'll be honest with you, this is going to be a fascinating exploration of offense in this series. I mean, I mean it, it it's really going to be that way. I don't think the Nuggets have any one person on this on this roster who is a guy who's going to handle either of those guys they're going to get their points and it, and it really is up to the nuggets to compensate and score on the other end this is going to be i in my view it's going to be an 80s type of playoff series and it's going to be a war of offensive attrition and it's going to drive michael malone nuts but you know them's the breaks um i think that that is the way this series is shape, shaping up and it's going to be fun i'm really looking forward to it it, it i think the nuggets the last series even though the nuggets won 4-1 it it was a grind uh, particularly after game 1 3 uh, 2 3 4 and 5 were all all the all four of those games were just grindy games and uh, those kind of wear on you. I don't think the Suns, if you if you look at the way they played against the Clippers, none of those games were grinds. That was our offensive explosions. 
Uh, and I see no way that this series is not going to be similar to that. It's going to be like that. But the Nuggets are a better team than the Clippers, particularly a Clippers team that has didn't have their two stars. So I'm looking forward to this. I've been looking forward. I've kind of figured that this would end up this way. I was hoping that the Clippers would win last night so they can, you know, give the Suns less rest going into Denver next week. But I, I still think that it, it's going to be a good matchup. I'm not going to make a prediction yet. Uh, I made a prediction at the very last minute uh, before the um, Timberwolves series started, so I'm not I'm, I'm not going to skip out on that. So I'm just going to wait till we'll wait till I see the games. I mean, we haven't even, we don't even know when the game's going to start yet. So. Um, I'm thinking it'll be Saturday, uh, but we don't know if it's going to be uh, late Saturday or earlier Saturday. So, um, so you know, aside from that, it's nice to get a playoff win. And to be honest with you, it's nice due to the the way the second half of the season wound up and and the 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 awful MVP conversation. And the, just the weight of it. it, it was nice to get that out of the way. And you could kind of tell in the last two games that it was it was on the Nuggets' mind. Uh, and, in, and in game five, I'm sure it was on Jokic's mind. Um, but, you know, look, you fight all year to get home court advantage for a very specific reason. You want that you want that home court advantage because because it is particularly in Denver. It, it's still an advantage to play here, even though the playoffs change. It's still an advantage, and the Nuggets needed need that advantage to pay off for them. And the Denver Nuggets have done worked and worked all year, all year, for such a a moment like this. And the Nuggets need to take advantage of that. So we'll be talking about it for this further as the uh, this week rolls on. It's Wednesday as of this recording, so they got Thursday and Friday to uh, kind of rest up and. Uh, see, see who's what, how it's going to play out. So, and watch these playoff games tonight, which are probably all going to be pretty amazing. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. Uh, I'll be back. I think I'll either tomorrow or the next day. We'll probably with a guest, and uh, we'll talk about this series, preview the series, and go from there. Uh, thank you all for joining me, and I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.